Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This is the identity crisis season, so go for a swim, eat a creamsicle, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast is part one of a two-part conversation with Joey Trussell, who is a staff member at Youth Unlimited YFC in Lincoln. It is a fantastic conversation where Joey just opens up really vulnerably about his story, about identity, his struggles with knowing his self-worth, and it's an amazing end to our season, and we're so excited for you to listen. Just a bit of a trigger warning, we do have some conversation around self-harm that comes up in this conversation, so if you need to listen to this with somebody who is safe, uh, make sure to do that, and feel free to reach out to a crisis line if you need it. Enjoy today's episode. Well... Joey, now it's your official welcome to the Work Friends podcast. Yay! Now you're officially a work friend. So how does that feel? <laughs> uh, it feels nice. I've I've st- I've been listening to all your podcasts and I I just love them. They're great. Oh. And uh, now I feel a little bit more part of that like YFC family bit too. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is amazing. So we're gonna do. You've listened before, so you'll know this. We're gonna do some rapid fire fast facts with you to be able to get yep. you a little bit more. Okay. So first one is, how would you spend a free day? Uh, so a free day would probably start off with uh, morning with my family. Um, maybe go like canoeing or something like that. Um. And then at some point, I would leave them and go hang out with some friends and play board games until 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't put this on here, but then I, my question is, what's, like, your favorite board game? Um, I mean, it's a board game that most people probably haven't heard. It's called The Colonist. Mm-hmm. So it's... <laughs> Uh, I I have a whole collection of board games mm. that uh, is too small, but everybody else says it's too big. <laughs> mm, fair enough, fair enough. My favorite board game is Dominion, but I haven't been able to play it. For That's a, a good time. one. So, yeah. What is your favorite book? Um. So if we're going books of the Bible, uh, Ecclesiastes. Um, nonfiction book. Uh. Actually, I just read a really good one. Um, uh, it's the oh, I got it right here. Um, the Lost World of the Israelite Conquest by John Walton. Uh, I really love John Walton stuff, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a really good one. Uh, and then fiction book is The Rook. My siblings loved that book, so that's funny. Are you a morning person or a night person? Uh, I'm a night person for sure. Uh, I definitely prefer staying up late. Hence the two o'clock in the morning playing board games. Uh, but I'm actually not bad for a morning person. Like you get some grouchy morning people. And uh, when I, when I was rowing in high school, uh, we would, we'd have to be at the course for five o'clock in the morning and all my friends would be grouchy because I'd be standing in the bay, just waving the good morning. And they would just be like, Joey, we hate you. <laughs> oh, I, I am the morning person that night people hate. So <laughs> Um, What is your favorite meal? Butter tarts. (laughs) I don't care if it's not a meal. How does butter tarts? A meal meal is butter tarts. (laughs) (laughs) What is your go-to karaoke song? Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm, That's a good one. 
What is your yeah. biggest pet peeve? Um, flies. I hate flies. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a pet peeve because it's not like something people do, but I just hate flies. Yeah. Hey, we'll take. I'm with you there. (laughs) (laughs) Where is the uh, next place you want to visit? Uh, I want to go back to Algonquin Park. Mm. I love it up there. And luckily, you can do that. You don't have to wait till travel restrictions open up. So I hope you get to do that. Uh, it's not the travel restrictions that are going to be the problem. It's kids. <laughs> kids and flies. <laughs> kids and flies. <laughs> what is the craziest thing you've ever done? Ooh. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, I'll go with accidentally belly flopping off of a 10-foot bridge. <laughs> Oh no! I'm assuming that was painful. Yes, (laughs) near uh, near death experience too. Wow! Oh my gosh! Wow! wow. We'll have to hear about that next time. (laughs) (laughs) If you were not working at Youth Limited YFC, what would you be doing? Um, honestly, I'd probably still be at the factory that I was working at beforehand. Uh, still waiting to do um into finishing off my master's and probably looking further into doctoral work somewhere if nothing really happened like i was i was looking for a youth work uh, youth pastor job so um i'd probably still be doing that and if that didn't end up then doctoral work somewhere wow doctoral that'd be cool well i mean i feel like we got a good summary of what you're like there but why don't we just hand the floor over to you just tell us about yourself what does life look like for you so most importantly is uh, my family and my faith. Uh, so I've got a beautiful wife, uh, three kids, and actually my family is about to uh, grow not the way that you might be thinking of, but I'm actually starting to live with my parents and my sister in a multi-generational house. Wow. So uh, yeah, we're I, I'm, I'm moving back in with my parents for good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, and then, uh, my faith, uh, I am a believer in Christ and, uh, hopefully a budding theologian and not one that's already past his prime. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I love, uh, I love talking theology. I love, uh, just studying scripture and studying, uh, a lot more of the things that people usually leave out Mm -hmm. and then yeah i am a teacher slash student probably my biggest passion is just seeing people learn and grow Um, especially myself which is why i'm always in school i mean this this january is going to be the the first time since jk that i've actually haven't been doing any sort of school during like a school year (laughs) wow so and that's only because i have to wait three years before i can start my doctoral work if I do. <laughs> yeah. So what's your background educationally? Uh, teaching, actually. Um, okay. So I went to Brock uh, in St. Catharines for their concurrent education program. So I did my undergrad in math as I did uh, my teaching degree. Um, so um, yeah, uh, I when I was a when I was in like grade seven, they were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, well, the only thing I'm really good at is math. So what can I do with math? Well, let's just go for a teacher. And so since grade seven, that's been my plan uh, until I finished teacher's college and then decided, you know what? 
I don't want to go through the hassle of going into the teaching uh, field in Ontario. And uh, I was looking to get married at that point. So we were like, we're not leaving Ontario. So I said, perfect. So <laughs> actual in-school teaching is probably not the way to go. <laughs> this is so interesting because I think like we have been, you've been working at YFC since January, you said, right? Yeah. It's so interesting because normally like every other month we have these big SWO, like Southwestern Ontario YFC meetings all together. And like, we haven't met in person. I've seen you like in your little square on our Zoom <laughs> calls, but it's so nice to finally like, meet you although it's yeah. still online to yeah. yeah get to know you a little bit so mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here we so appreciate it and uh this is our last or last episode of the identity crisis season which is kind of crazy that we are already here um yeah. but we are really honored to have you and for your openness and talking about how you have uh wrestled with identity so let's start from the beginning what was growing up like for you um, so yeah, growing up, I grew up in uh, average middle class family. Um, we uh, were able to, my parents, like, especially by the time I was around, I'm the youngest of four. So like my parents were already well established by the time I came around. And uh, so they they were able to provide for more than just my basic needs. We got to go to camp. We got to do a lot of extra things. Um, and as I mentioned, I was a, I'm the youngest of four, and my siblings are spaced out. Like my mom, when she was going through like school for like home at home ec, um, like she was told like three years is the perfect uh, spacing. So my brother was uh, three years. My sister, then my brother. Uh, sorry, my brother, then my sister three years, then my other brother three years, and then I'm two years because my dad had a rule that he wasn't going to have any kids after his 35th birthday. <laughs> um, so my mom had to squeak me in a little bit early. Um, and uh, so my, my family's a little spaced out. Um, not as much as some are, but it was, it was enough that I didn't really connect with my older two siblings just because they were always at a different stage in life. Like I entered, I entered elementary school and my oldest brother was leaving it. So um, there's, you don't have too much of a connection that way. Um and my brother, who is older than me by uh, just by a year and 362 days, um, <laughs> he's not two years older than me. Um, <laughs> uh, we really didn't get along. Um, and uh, so, I mean, my family life, like we we were happy, but I mean, there was... Uh, as I get further in my story, you'll see that like my family was one of the places that I had the most tension with and the most struggle with, mm -hmm. even though they were also uh, part of the people that loved me the most. Mm. But um, so it, it's confusing in that way. <laughs> uh, but I'm getting my head on myself. Um, so uh, we moved when I was in grade three. Uh, before we moved, um, my brother had a large group of friends, but I didn't. Um, and so when I didn't have anyone close to, I tried to tag along with him, but he didn't want his younger sibling around. Uh, but it actually flipped when we moved, where I got a lot of friends at the new school that I was at, but my older brother didn't. And so he he sort of got resentful and um, didn't like the fact that like he left his friends and now he doesn't have friends and now I have friends. 
Um, at least I assumed he was resentful, but that's just how, well, that's my that's I can't, that's my understanding of it. Um, so, um, but even at the new house, like I had friends at the school, but on my road there was a bunch of kids my age, but they actually became some of the biggest bullies. Like I remember there was one time we I went over there and I we were playing like tag, uh, just home. Uh, uh, with a, like a home free and so we were all playing and uh, i was running in the clear to get to the home free but then all of a sudden one of the other guys like he just came and blocked me and stopped me and held me in place until the other guy can come and take me and then same thing with uh when i was it they would like body block me and because they were already home free and like yeah that's just an, a small example of what what sort of went on and so like I did not like going and playing with them, but like that's the people that I had next to me. Um, so the other aspect of, of growing up was church. Um, and the the church that I grew up in, uh, it was a really old Anglican church. Uh, I, w- I was really like looking back, I can say I'm thankful that I was raised in the church, but the, the church just did not help me where I was at. Um, the average age of the congregation was probably north of like 50 years old. And there was only one other age uh, kid my age until that family even left. And so it was basically just my parents uh, sticking around at that, at that church. And um, that's, that's where I grew up. And like I did Sunday school and um, I got a lot of like the, the, the basis for my spiritual life, which I'm really thankful for. But other than that, like the Sunday school consisted of me and my older brother who didn't like hanging out with me and my mom teaching it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't any sort of uh, relationships that I was building there. But mm-hmm. the one place where I did really uh, get a lot of relationships with was at, a, at camp. Um, so it's uh, Fair Havens up outside of Beaverton, and um, I spent most of my like e- each summer I looked forward to going to Fair Havens, and um, I even worked at Fair Havens for a number of summons, and that's where that's where I really grew the most in my spiritual formation. But then um, by the time I hit high school, and um, I chose friends over faith and stopped going back to Fair Havens and started living for myself around grade 10. So that's when I really want to be like full prodigal sort of son and um, just started living because uh, like that Fair Havens was like my, my spiritual like renewal that I needed because I wasn't getting that at the church at home. In fact, by that time, church was just a job for me because uh, I had to be the altar boy every single week because nobody else could would do it um so church was a job so i didn't care about it uh but fair havens was the place where i really loved being in in community with the church but then i stopped because i wanted to be hanging out with my friends more and that was just a life in high school so let's talk about identity a little bit as you were growing up talk about that your struggle with identity um so one thing I uh, didn't mention when we were talking about my growing up and who I am 
Uh, I'm a very competitive person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My whole family was even, but uh, each of my siblings were, were pretty unique. So my, my oldest brother, he was the academic. He was, I think the top student in his entire high school year. And um, so he got a whole bunch of scholarships. He was an honor student. Um, and like he just put up a, uh, a platform of just uh, of being a really, really strong academic yeah. that I couldn't reach. Uh, my sister was artistic. Um, she she painted, sewed, all sorts of arts and crafts. I mean, when the school did like a production, she would sew the costumes and make paint like the the set and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And um, and then my the brother that was just before me, uh, he was the athlete of the family. Um, not that he was a superstar or anything like that, but he committed himself to athletics, and that that's what his his thing was. And so, if you think about like in a in a typical school in a scope, typical school, like there's three things that they push: is the academics, the artistics, and the athletics. And for me, when I was when I was growing up, it's like okay, so those are the three categories in life. Um, my oldest brother has the athletics. My sister has the uh, artistics and then the other my other brother had the athletics so where do where where am I going to go um, where am I going to be the best at because for me that was important being the best um, and so I actually didn't choose one I chose all of them because I thought hey why not mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> but that that didn't work um, I tried to find what each of my siblings were best at and like i i tried to be the talk epidemic and i was like i was good at a lot of things but i wasn't as good as my siblings or as other people there and so a lot of the times i thought that you know what i've now failed mm-hmm. um and there's one other piece of the puzzle is um when I looked outside of like what the school would say is like the three A's, um, when I found a place that I thought I did belong, I got a lot of pushback from from my parents about this choice. Um, so this was uh, the life of a nerd. Um, so as I as I said before, I love games. I've got a whole bunch. Whether or not it's board games, video games, mm. uh, miniature games. Um, I, I I love it because it, it's a challenge, um, and it, it feeds well into my competitive nature. <laughs> um, but what when my parents were growing up, like they have a different idea of what a nerd is than when we grew up, um, and so they their idea is like nerds are a complete outcast nerds are not somebody that you want like they are loners they um cannot make any friends because they're socially awkward um and uh they they spend all their life doing something that you don't need to that you don't need to worry about um and like my mom had this picture of uh, if you've seen the the show saved by the bell um screech um, that's that's what my mom pictured as a nerd, somebody who was beaten up and bullied, and she didn't want that on her child. And it doesn't help that I I kind of look like Screech. 
um, in, in some ways, <laughs> especially with my curly hair. Um, so, like, my mom was really concerned about why would I even want to be identified as a nerd? Um, and then my dad on the other side, uh, he thought that playing games was, was just a waste of time. Mm. Um, and there was this one instance where uh, I came home from uh, from my friend's house when we were playing and he he said, hey, um, did you did you uh, conquer the world? And at that point, I was like, whoa, is this my dad actually like taking an interest in what I'm interested in? And so I, I was like, oh, well, actually, that's not quite what the game is about. And I started trying to explain to him what the game was. And he, he stopped me and paused. And he said, Joey, I just I don't actually care. And I realized at that point that he was just making fun of me and actually trying to show his disapproval of what I was doing in this sort of backhanded, sarcastic way. And for me, I was, <laughs> I was crushed. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wasn't ever really close with my dad uh, growing up. Um, and the time that I thought he actually was trying to get closer to me, it turned out he was just teasing me. And this line actually became a standard greeting that he would give to me whenever I came home. Just and it and it kind of became this constant reminder of just he didn't approve of this lifestyle that I I was embracing. And so when when I'm trying to be competitive and trying to find whether or not I'm the athletic, artistic, or um, academic, but failing in all of that trying to find an identity that you know what i kind of have a bunch of friends with but constantly being said that i can't do that and then um the last piece of the puzzle came in grade nine uh when i had a close group of friends and uh, grade nine is is tough for a lot of people for transitions and for me it was it was i, I can't i don't i want to say especially tough but i mean i can't <laughs> that's just my perspective um so when I was in grade nine, uh, I joined a rowing team with a bunch of my friends. And this was the thing, like, we weren't ever going to be any competitive rowing team. We weren't going to do it, go anywhere far, but we, we did it because it was, we spent every morning together working out and having fun. Then we would spend every morning and this, and this was from like November until June. Like the rowing season is really long because you have your winter training and then you have your own water training. Um, and so, um, in grade nine, I did the winter training with all my friends, but just in March, the beginning of March, just before we were about to go on the water and actually start actually rowing, I had a skiing accident where I tore my MCL, um, just blew out my knee completely. And I was in a, I was in a knee brace for two months, which obviously I no longer can row because I no longer have a. I only have one leg instead of two pretty much. And so I was kicked off the team um, and my friends continued on and like uh, they got all these stories and all these, these memories together and I was left behind. In fact, I, uh, I was asking my one friend's mom the uh a couple of years ago, seeing if she had any rowing pictures, and she gave me sent me a bunch of rowing pictures of like, here you go, and lo and behold, I was not in a single one of them because they were from the grade nine year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, 
but even beyond that, like, so I was, I wasn't welcomed in my, in my friends, um, uh, group because I could no longer row. Not that they wanted me out, but I just couldn't be with them. And then there is other issues with grade nine where even on the ski team, um, like a lot of the other things I did, the ski team, I was on the school band. I went on a couple trips, but all of those were the areas of, of my brother's sphere of influence. So it was all of my brother and his friends. And this idea where he didn't want his little brother around him was still true. Um, so uh, just before the just before the skiing incident, I went to Banff on a on a band trip, and I was the only grade nine in the band because I was the only one that actually played my instrument before high school. So they let me on the on the on the school band because I knew how to play. So I was the only grade nine. And we went to Banff on a trip, and when we got to the hotel, there was a there was an oversight where I was put in a room where there was going to be five people, and usually the hotel rooms are only for four. So I go up to the hotel room, uh, I I knock on the door, and they open the door and like, what do you want? I said, this is where like it says on the sheet, this is where I'm supposed to be, and they're like, well, no, you can't be here. Like we've already got four people. And so then I went to the to the room next door, like the next guy's room, knocked on the door. I'm like, hey, um, I wasn't allowed in here. Can I come in here and sleep? And they're like, no, you can't be in here. And I, I think part of it is because I was in, I'm in grade nine. And I mean, school trips, they go out and they drink. They're, they'll have huge parties in the rooms. And they didn't want a grade nine because first off, I was not cool and they didn't want to punch. They didn't want to have me drinking with them. And um, so, cause like, I'm sure if it was like another like grade 12, they would have just put a fifth person in that room. But because I was the only grade nine, they were like, no, you can't be in here. And the only room that did accept me was actually uh, one of the girls rooms. They said, Oh, why doesn't he come and stay with us? Like, but uh, that was quickly denied by the teachers for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I ended up staying on the couch with the teachers. Um, so the teachers had like one of the rooms instead of two queens, they had like two singles and then a, a sitting area. And so I got to spend the entire Banff trip in the teacher's room on a mm. couch. Um. And yeah, so there was just a lot of a lot of that. Um, the ski club they constantly uh, mocked me because I had a speech impediment at that time and I couldn't really say my name that well. Um, and uh, it, I was also part of the musical again. The only, uh, there was one other grade nine, but like with a musical, you're not you're usually on at different times depending on what sort of section you're on. And so um, just just that whole time, I so the first piece of the puzzle was competitiveness of I I was constantly failing because I wasn't meeting up to my to my siblings. Second piece of the puzzle was even the one place like being a nerd and thought I thought like this is this is an identity that I can take. Um, it was completely like pushed back, and my parents just didn't want me to have that 
In fact, my dad would have been more happy if I went out drinking with my friends and, and doing a whole bunch of partying than staying over at a friend's house playing board games. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle was just the complete loneliness. Um, I was kicked off my rowing team because of the skiing accident and everywhere else that I was that I was actually still allowed to be part of, even with my bumped knee, they made sure I knew I wasn't welcome. And so it was just, mm-hmm. just so much, just a lot of loneliness in, in that time. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that, Joey. I think we sometimes forget how formational those years actually are. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like we work with youth, that is our job, but they really form us into the people that we become those, mm-hmm. those four years. Yeah. So as you think back and reflect when you were in the thick of all of this, what lies were you believing? Um, so during this time, the first lie that I would say is that I was a failure because I never met up to the standards. Mm. Um, and so that, that's, that's the lie. Number one is I, I put so much like such a high bar for me to try and reach that because I didn't reach it, I had to be a failure. Um, the second lie would be the fact that I had no friends. Um, no one accepted me in the band. No one accepted me um, in any of the stuff like the ski team. Um, and the rowing team went off and left me behind. Not because, and like when when I was I was at that point, I thought they just didn't want to be my friend. Um, even though I knew that was a lie, that's the lie that I told myself because. Mm-hmm. I had to try and rationalize it. Like I was not welcomed the same way. Like I was not welcomed with them just like how I wasn't welcomed with my, uh, in the band or with my brother's activities. And so I associated like, they don't like me because they just don't want me around. So that must be this, that must like, be also true with my friends who left me behind because I couldn't actually physically be with them. Um, uh, another lie was just the idea of just being unloved. Um, so, uh, I, again, hindsight, I know my parents loved me. Like my dad loves in a very strange way. Um, but I, especially that comment that he, he constantly made of just not caring about the one thing that I cared about. Um, and, uh, just they weren't accepting the person that I was becoming like I I that was I just felt like I was so unloved and so when those when those lies added up I just it came out to be well there's something wrong with me um and uh I, I started just h- completely hating myself. I thought I was useless because I wasn't meeting the standards and I was undeserving of the things I did have. And so because of these lies, I, I fell into one further lie is that because I'm undeserving of the good things that I have or because I kept on failing that, you know what, I should be punished. Um, and uh like I like this balancing of scales where it's like, I don't deserve any of the good things I have, 
And so in order to to counteract the fact that I do have good things, I need I need to punish myself for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually started uh, in grade nine in the when we were when I was just sitting in the auditorium because I wasn't on for the musical, um, just sitting alone by myself because I couldn't I didn't have any friends in the musical and I found a rock in on the floor and I was just so lo- so alone and so unloved that I took that rock and I actually just rubbed it against my skin until I bled. Um, and then even more, like, I, I wanted that pain because that meant that, you know what, I, I am giving myself something negative so that when I feel something positive, it means I've earned it or I deserve it. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was, that was the start of my, my struggle with self-harm. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using so you never miss a Monday episode. And if you want to keep following us along, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends, where we share resources, quotes, and more uh, information about guests and ourselves there. So you can go check that out if you want to. Until next time, happy Monday. Bye-bye. Have a good week. (laughs) Toodles.